This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. What's up, podcast people? Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast. Today is Thursday, April 19th. We're officially just one week away from the NFL Draft. Finally, thank God, one more week into the NFL draft. And because of that, I have an episode chalk filled with NFL draft goodies for you today. I scored an interview with sports talk show radio host in Denver, Benjamin Albright. Ben's one of the most informed and knowledgeable NFL analysts and insiders in the entire industry. And his specialty is not only the draft, but quarterbacks. And if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, especially, that's something that you really, really, really want to hear about. Seriously, man, Ben is as must follow as it gets for football fans on Twitter. I've been hunting the guy down for probably two or three weeks now, so I'm really pumped to be able to do this interview finally. I talked to Ben about what he's hearing and feeling just days before the draft. He has sources all around the league, and he has his ears to the ground during this entire process. So we talk about some of these polarizing quarterbacks and then Ben projects where he thinks they may go. And of course, we talk about the Buffalo Bills and what he thinks they may end up doing come next Thursday. After that, I talk with University at Buffalo defensive end, Damone Harris, who now stands a good chance to hear his name called during the draft next week. I'll tell you what, you really want to talk about a great perseverance story? Damone didn't even get a scholarship offer out of high school. He wasn't a high school star or anything like that. He walked onto the UB program and over the past few years, he transformed himself from being just another face in that program, just another guy in the team. He went from being a complete afterthought into a six foot four, 275 pound beast at defensive end. Regardless if he ends up getting drafted or if he's signed as an undrafted free agent immediately after the draft, one way or the other, the kid's going to be on an NFL roster about 10 days from now. We talk about the long and sometimes hard journey for Damone to get to where he's at today, the people that really helped him get to where he needs to be, and what his plans are for the draft next week, where he plans on watching it, and who he plans on watching it with. I'll get to those interviews in a few minutes. Before that, I got a couple quick topics I wanted to hit on. If you listen to the show, you know that I'm a huge wrestling fan. I'm a lifelong fan. I remember going all the way back to when I was a little kid and my father would take me to Memorial Auditorium in Buffalo, New York for the wrestling shows every month. 
It's one of those things that we did together. One of those few things that we consistently did together. His favorite wrestler ever, and I do remember this. He's a little bit before my time, but I do remember he was my dad's favorite wrestler. The industry lost a true icon on Wednesday. Bruno San Martino, undoubtedly the greatest champion in WWF history, died at the age of 82. Sad, sad news. Bruno beat Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. Buddy Rogers, the real Nature Boy, not Ric Flair. Sorry, guys. Bruno beat Rogers in 48 seconds to win the belt in May of 1963. He went on to hold that title for nearly eight years. Eight years before finally dropping it to the bad guy Russian, Ivan Koloff, in January of 1971. I wasn't even born yet when Bruno lost the belt to Ivan Koloff. But I read the stories, fans were literally crying, crying, real tears, because Bruno lost the belt. My father, for all I know, he probably was crying too. Hell, if I would have been born and I was alive, I probably would have cried too when Bruno lost. Bruno's career wasn't even close to being done as champion though. He'd go on to win the belt a second time in 1973, and he would hold that championship for another almost four years before finally losing it to superstar Billy Graham, I believe in 1977. In total, Bruno was WWF champ for 4,040 days. If you think Hulk Hogan and Bob Becklin were great champs, and they were, Bruno nearly doubled the career title reigns that Hogan or Becklin had. That's how amazing he was. Simply put, he's the greatest WWF champion and maybe one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Now, unfortunately, out of the ring, things got ugly between Bruno and WWF for a long time, and it lasted for a long time. He became really critical of Vince McMahon in the company because of the use of steroids and other drugs and some wrestling angles that he didn't agree with. And it became a cold war between the two sides that lasted for a quarter century. For 25 years, you never saw or heard Bruno being in the WWF after his wrestling days were over. 25 years. Thank God, both sides finally got together and they worked things out and Bruno finally returned to the WWE and he took his very, very rightful place in the WWE Hall of Fame in 2013. I'm really glad that Bruno got to live long enough for both sides to get together and completely make things right. Because frankly speaking here, there shouldn't even be a WWE Hall of Fame if it doesn't include Bruno San Martino. What an icon. What a legend. He's one of the greatest of all time. Everyone knows it. Guys like him help make wrestling what it is today. And it's great to see so many stars paying homage to him. Because listen, if anyone deserves it, it's Bruno San Martino. Rest in peace. One of the all-time greatest. There's one other thing I want to hit on before I get to these interviews. What in the hell is going on with New York Yankee fans? Seriously, you're booing Giancarlo Stanton already? Come on, man. What in the blue hell is wrong with you? Look, yes, he's hitting below 200 right now. Yes, he's already struck out 29 times in just 66 at-bats. Yes, he's already had a couple games where he struck out five times. Yes, he's looked lost at the plate several times early in the season. Oh, but you know what? 
I should probably mention that it's still the middle of fucking April. Get it together, Yankee fans. You're better than that. At least I think you are. Dude hit 59 jacks last year. He's a fucking monster. John Carlos Stanton is going to be just fine, but that's no thanks to you. Stop booing your boy in the middle of April and making yourselves look like blithering idiots to the rest of the fans around the league. Come on. What do you want, Starling Castro back? (laughs) Sorry, had to get that off my chest. Yankee fans got me feeling pretty pissed off lately. Stop booing your boy. Stop it. All right, enough of that nonsense. Here's my interview with NFL analyst and insider Benjamin Albright, followed immediately by UB defensive end and NFL draft prospect Damone Harris. My guest today is a sports radio talk show host at AM 1340 and 104.7 FM in Denver. And he's also one of those real football, like for real must follows on Twitter. I'm talking about NFL analyst and insider Benjamin Albright. Ben, thanks for joining the podcast. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. How many interviews and podcasts are you up to over this past month or so with the draft coming up? I'm sure everyone wants to get your takes at this time of year. <laughs> I couldn't count all that. I know I've done nine today, so um, <laughs> whatever uh, whatever that extrapolates to. Yikes. Nine? God, I, <laughs> yeah, quite a few. <laughs> man, I give you all the credit in the world. I probably would have lost my voice or my mind by that point. Wow. Let me ask you, let, let's start here. You've already done it on Twitter, but you know, shockingly, not everyone in the world has Twitter. So from a Buffalo Bills perspective, will you formally squash this, the growing rumors and, and buzz, I don't want to say reports, but buzz of a alleged three-team trade that would end up with the Bills having the number one pick of the draft. What have you heard about this maybe firsthand that could officially kill this? At least for now. I mean, maybe something does happen in the days leading up, but as of right now, is this a garbage rumor that's just out there? Yes, it's absolutely a garbage rumor. What I will tell you is is that uh, the Buffalo Bills have had conversations with multiple teams in the top five about trading up to that spot. Uh, but I talked to more than one source on this who specifically and emphatically said that at no point had a three-way trade been discussed uh, specifically with, with uh, anyone or with those terms, uh, the ones that were floated out there on the internet. It's annoying to read on the message boards, and it, it, it just it's a rumor that won't stop. I mean, because maybe logically it makes sense, but whatever. It's just a rumor, and... So thanks for squashing that. But now here's something that might be more than just rumor that has a little uh, bite to it. If the Buffalo Bills end up getting up to that number two pick and let's assume, and I don't want to, you know, assume for sure, but let's just say Sam Darnold ends up going number one. You've been saying that Josh Allen would probably be the guy that Brandon Bean takes over Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield. If I'm not incorrect in saying that, that that's what you feel at this time. Why do you think the Bills would prefer Josh Allen over Rosen or Mayfield? I couldn't really give you a a why per se, uh, simply that that's the 
the name I keep getting when I speak with uh, with people about it. Um, one of those people being the same guy who gave me Nathan, Nathan Peterman via text the, uh, the morning before the draft last year, um, which that tweet is still out there somewhere. Um, and, uh, you know, Josh is, is a smart guy, big guy, big arm. Um, not really my cup of tea as far as what I'm looking for in developmental quarterback, but uh, if you've got the ability to sit him for a year, you know, he might might turn into something. Um, you know, I think he could be the guy that the guys gravitate to if, if he becomes what they think he could become. Um, but, uh, you know, again, it's so tough with that evaluation. Um, some people, they look at Josh and they see a potential Matt Stafford. I, I look and I see Kyle Wall or Jake Locker, but uh, if you see Matt Stafford, you kind of got to roll the dice on that, right? I'll tell you this much. You're a national guy. You know what I mean? I mean, you're based in Denver, but, you know, you cover sports on a national level when it comes to these quarterbacks. I could tell you emphatically in Buffalo, of all these quarterbacks, and I'll even go beyond the top four. We'll even go to Mason Rudolph and Lamar Jackson, too. Josh Allen seems to be that one guy who would completely divide the fan base. I mean, there's polls and there's stuff. It's Bills fans just don't seem to want this guy. You tweeted something on Tuesday, and I want to read this because I thought this was a great tweet. And I'm quoting you here. You said, and this is regarding Josh Allen. Here's the thing, because I've been very hard on Josh Allen. It's not that I don't think he can be successful. It's that he hasn't been, and there's no evidence to suggest that he will be. So what are you basing that optimism on? That's a great tweet. You don't sound very confident that this guy is going to be a franchise quarterback and is uh, deserving of moving up and giving up a lot to go from potentially 12 to two. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I live 90 minutes away. Uh, you know, I've seen all of Josh's games, um, you know, Denver and Laramie are not that far apart. Um, so, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen it before. We've all seen him, um, you know, regionally, uh, and you know, he was the seventh best quarterback in the mountain West last year. Um, so, you know, again, if you like him, it has to be a projection based on what you think he can become and one that's born more of your gut or your instinct than it is of any actual evidence because Josh has always been a poor passer at every level, whether it was high school, college, um, you know, whatever. At Juco, he was a 49% passer in Juco and ranked 57 out of 58 quarterbacks. Um, you know, he's 52% passer in the, in the Mountain West. Uh, and if it wasn't for, you know, stat padding against Sunbelt and D2 teams, uh, his, his numbers would be even worse than they are. Um, you know, if you go back and look at the splits. So uh, if you're projecting him to become that guy, that's an instinct thing and, and, and good for you for having that eye if it happens to happen. But um, it is certainly not a, a um, evaluation board of evidence. What would you say is the percentage of chance that the Giants do end up trading down from two, whether it's to Buffalo or someone else? I don't think they would trade to anybody but Buffalo. Um, you know, I don't, I don't I hate doing percentages because they're arbitrary numbers that don't really have anything behind them. Um, I, I would say that it's in play. I would say there are three options for New York at number two, and that's Chubb, Barkley, or a trade back. And I would suggest that um, that trade back is very much in play. Let me ask you this, and I should have backtracked a little bit. Do you think there's a chance, because there are some people out there who are saying that Josh Allen can end up going number one to Cleveland. Do you think there's a chance that that could happen? Or are you pretty firm in your belief based on what you hear that it's going to be Darnold? 
everything I've heard is that it's Sam Darnold. Um, I had always heard that Josh Allen's kind of plan B there. Um, if they decide to trade out of one, um, you know, maybe, maybe something has changed internally that, that hasn't gotten to me yet that, uh, you know, that he's the guy, but, uh, the guys I speak to are pretty confident thinking Sam Donald's the guy. I would not be stunned if Allen was the guy, but I would be surprised. If a stunner does happen and they do take Josh Allen, do you think that would, uh, would decrease the chance that the Giants would be willing to move down that they would probably in that case, in that unlikely scenario, jump on Darnold and, and not trade at all and just take him at two? Yes, the Giants would run to the podium with a card with Sam Darnold's name on it. So if you're a Bills guy and you do want to trade up to number two, then you are really hoping that the Browns do what most people think they're going to do and take Darnold because you don't think there's any chance that the Giants would move away from Darnold. Right. Or, well, and see, there's another option here. You know, the Bills don't probably have to get to two to get Allen. Um, you know, you you need to get to four or five probably to get him. Um, and so, you know, the number five, the Denver Broncos would really love to trade back with the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, they're kind of eyeballing Denzel Ward uh, with that first pick and, and Will Hernandez with that second one, uh, who they really like. Uh, and that gets them out of the five spot where they don't think they're getting maximum value bang for their bucks. So uh, it's not just at two that you would, you would potentially have a trade partner. Before we get to Denver, which I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I definitely want to talk about that. You're pretty confident at this point that Baker Mayfield isn't going to get past the Jets at three, correct? Unless something wildly unforeseen happens. Um, if Josh Allen were to go number one and Saquon Barkley were to go number two, uh, in that case, the Jets would take Darnold over Mayfield. Okay, but otherwise, you you think it'll be Mayfield? You think that the Jets would it'll take be, Mayfield? I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it'd be it'd be Darnold and then Mayfield. All right, so definitely Mayfield in your mind at this point over Rosen. Yes, from a Bills perspective, and I you know keep beating that Bills drum here, but for the sake of discussion, that the Giants really like Barkley or Chubb, and, and they take one of those guys. The Jets are pretty much locked in at that point to Mayfield at three. And you would think that if Cleveland's taking a quarterback at one and quarterbacks go the first three picks, that, you know, the Browns could get the top nine quarterback in the draft at four. That's when it comes to Denver at five. And like you said, that to me sounds like the place where the Bills really, really have the best opportunity to move up. And maybe it doesn't cost, in fact, not maybe, it wouldn't cost them quite as much as it would to get with the Giants at number two. Correct. It's going to cost the Bills about twice as much to get from where they are to two as it would cost to get from where they are to five. Um, it's just the exponential value you pay to get higher up in the top five. So you could probably get the number five pick for both number ones this year, you know, in a future number two. Uh, and that's, I don't think that that's too much. I think that's a fair deal. Um, you know, personally, I think that you don't have to mortgage your whole draft, your whole future to do things. You certainly don't have to give up your first the next year. Um, and, and that'll, you know, that, that takes some of the pressure off, especially if you do are going after a guy like Allen, who's not going to play in his first year. Now, based on what you've been hearing, you, you think that Josh Rosen is probably going to be there at five. So if the bills were to move up to Denver at five and they really want a quarterback, you're pretty confident that Josh Rosen would be available? Yes. Josh Rosen, the five at Buffalo, that seems to me a better path than it does trying to get all the way up to number two. Would you agree with that? Especially considering what a what a high risk Josh Allen would be at number two. 
I think, you know, if a guy is your guy, I think he's a risk hitter or not at whatever position you take him. You just try to, you make sure you get up to get the guy you want. Um, you know, I don't think that, uh, I don't think he's any less of a risk at five than he is at two. I just think you have to give up less assets to do it. And that makes the most sense to me, especially since I feel like both these quarterbacks are going to be available at that spot. Now, you've reported that Josh Rosen has drawn interest from other teams, and this includes the New England Patriots. Uh, what level of seriousness do you think that is? Well, I think they're serious enough. Um, I don't know that they have the ammunition to get up and get him. I certainly know that there's another team uh, in the AFC East excuse me, um, that, uh, that would be interested in him as well, the Miami Dolphins, um, who pick ahead of them currently. So, you know, I think that... <clears throat> If I'm the New England Patriots, um, even if we don't have the ammo to get up and get Rosen, I think it behooves us to, um, if we like Rosen, to say, you know, we have the interest in it because now you've got Miami who's scrambling. Do, do we trade up a bunch of assets to get up there and get him? Um, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, um, you know, I think it's it's legit interest. But there's also gamesmanship involved. Sure. Now, Buffalo's the one team that, Pretty much everyone knows wants to get up as high as they can in this draft to get a quarterback. Do you see maybe one or two other teams that come Thursday, they might pull off some type of draft shocker and they might end up getting somewhere around Cleveland at four or Denver at five, somewhere in that vicinity to get a quarterback, not Buffalo? Yeah. Um, and, and keep in mind that number six overall pick will be in play as well. The Colts want to move back. So um, you could see Arizona uh, move up. They really like Josh Allen. In fact, they like Josh Allen so much they would have taken him in the first round if he'd come out last year. Um, they're real big fans of his. Um, you know, obviously the Bills we've talked about, the Miami Dolphins uh, could come up and they feel like they could get up as high as six or five to maybe make it. Uh, I don't see them training with the Broncos, but they would trade with the Colts, um, get up as high as six to maybe try to get their guy if they feel like he's going to be there and their guy's Josh Rosen. Uh, so you could see any one of those teams, you know, kind of maybe move up, try to do all that. I've heard a lot of reports or at least rumors that Miami might be drafting a quarterback at 11, or as you just said, they might even trade up to get one. Is Ryan Tannehill done in Miami? Is it over for him? Well, it's not over for him. He would be the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins this coming season either way. But, you know, he's had some injury issues. Um, his productivity hasn't exactly, um, you know, gotten to the point where they want it to be. Um, so, you know, I think that you have to start lining up an insurance policy in case he never becomes that guy or he continues to stay at injury risk. As a whole, do you consider this year's rookie quarterback class better, worse, or equal to last year's class? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I think at the top, you may have more names, but I really only saw one or two starters out of last year's class anyway. And I only I see the same out of this one. You're going to see six guys drafted in the first round this year, but there's probably only going to be two of them that are starting in the league four years from now. So, um, I, I would say that their overall strength is probably the same, but the perception of the class and the need for quarterbacks is perhaps stronger than last year. Now you spent a lot of time studying quarterbacks and the news that you put out there isn't necessarily your opinion. It's, it's more what you hear from sources and, you know, from people around the league and stuff like that. Put on just for a second here, put on your GM hat. Let's say that you're the general manager of a team. What's your personal ranking of these four guys? If it was up to you. 
Uh, I would take Baker Mayfield number one. It would not even be close. Um, after that, Sam Darnold would probably be my guy, then Josh Rosen, uh, and then try to trade away my pick, uh, then not make my pick, and then Josh Allen. Well, I'm not nearly as qualified as you to, to rank these quarterbacks. You know, I just watch a couple games and see some clips. I will tell you this, though. I completely agree with you with Baker Mayfield. I'm a Bills guy, and God, I wish some kind of miracle would happen where they would get to the Giants at two, and I've thought about this, and, and maybe... By some chance, they don't take Josh Allen and they take Baker Mayfield. As a Bills fan here talking to you, I'd probably be doing cartwheels because I agree with you, man. I really like that kid. I think he's special. I know he's got issues, I'm sure, but I think he's got that potential to be a special player. I agree with you. I think he is going to be a special player. I think he's got a little bit of maturity, but uh, you know, I think that he's also a great leader. Uh, he's a fiery competitor, and he's got everything else you want out of a quarterback, and I, I don't think he can go wrong in that route. Who do you think would be good fits? Now, again, we spent so much time talking about the big four, but when you talk about Lamar Jackson and Mason Rudolph, is there one team or maybe two teams in mind that you think would be really good situations for these teams to get drafted into? I'm sorry, for this player to get drafted to? Um, you know, for Lamar, I think the Chargers, a team that's got a, a high-profile quarterback that kind of allow you to sit for a year or two, uh, but, but kind of has a ready-made team around him that he can be plugged into. Um, of course, Anthony Lynn, you're going to be very familiar with, um, has experience with mobile quarterbacks. Uh, so, you know, I, I think a team like the Chargers would be uh, would be the way to go for, for him. Who are one or two of your favorite non-quarterback prospects that you really like in this draft? Well, Quentin Nelson, um, <laughs> hands down, he's the best player in this draft. Uh, problem is guards, you know, tend to get devalued a little bit, so he won't go as high as he should. Um, but a- absolutely, Quentin Nelson. Um, who else? I, and I'm not a big Barkley guy, to be honest with you. Um, how come you're not a big Barkley guy? A little interested to know what, what what's there not to like about Barkley from your perspective? Uh, you know, anytime you got a running back who couldn't even hit 100 yards rushing in 61% of his college football games, that's that's a red flag to me. Um, sure he looks tape. He's a guy who uh, doesn't really run with great vision. Um, you know, he just kind of runs fast and hopes to hit the hole, you know? Sure. Reminds me a lot of uh, C.J. Spiller or Darren McFadden in that regard. Um, doesn't really run at his weight either. He's listed at 230, but he really runs at this, like a guy who's 210 pounds. Doesn't, uh, doesn't turn speed to power. Um, you know, he's a, he's a real powerful or violent runner at all. Um, so, you know, I think that he's, um, you know, he's a good back, but he's hardly generational. He's nowhere near the talent Leonard Fournette was. And I don't, I don't really understand the high grades on him this year. One more Bills quarterback question, then we'll move on from that stuff. What's your thoughts on A.J. McCarron? Because he's no matter who, what the Bills do this year, whether it's at 12, 2, 5, wherever it is, it's almost a lock that A.J. McCarron is going to be the quarterback this year. What are you, do you have any thoughts on him? Well, I'm not a big fan of his. Um, he's a guy who couldn't even beat out Andy Dalton up there in Cincy. Um, he had some flashes here or there, decent games, but... Um, I always felt like he kind of held those Alabama teams back a little bit. Doesn't really have elite arm strength. He's a guy who will play the game manager type role. Um, you know, anybody who's ever seen Brian Hoyer play, uh, you know, knows what Andy Dalton brings to the table. It's kind of similar. So, um, you know, I, I'd suggest that uh, he's a caretaker quarterback and probably the best that the Bills could do given the circumstances. So I'm not going to knock him for that, especially at the price point they got him at, which is insanely cheap. But um, he's not your long-term answer as a starter. Now, with scouting, there seems to be two sides these days who evaluating prospects. It's like analytics versus old school film study. 
I'm sure there's some kind of balance for sure. But in your mind, what side do you personally tend to fall a little bit more on when it comes to evaluating and scouting these quarterbacks? Well, I try to use both. I try to use tape, and then I try to use analytics to make that tape study more efficient. So I, I try to use a two-pronged approach. Um, you know, I understand that people are afraid of math sometimes, but, you know, math is good. It can help you find areas where your own biases start to show through. Um, so I, I try to use both approaches. I, I, I use the tape, uh, you know, first and foremost, and then I'll do an analytical review of that and see if the gap between the analytics and my own tape study uh, exists, and if so, why, and, and try to marry those two up. Sure. Now, I saw something earlier tonight, actually. We're taping this late Wednesday night. Daniel Jeremiah said to Rich Eisen today, there's lots of scouts ready to talk because they've become marginalized. Teams aren't relying on them like they used to, and they're frustrated. Is that a statement that you agree with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of teams have adopted analytical approaches and don't rely on scouts for what they used to do. Scouting, it's kind of funny because, um, you know, most people assume it's just grinding tape all the time and, and all that kind of stuff. It's really not anymore. For professional scouts, most of scouting is background work. You're doing background and, and character assessments on these guys. The tape study really goes to the guys that are at the front office. So, um, you, you know, you, you're going out there and you're getting measurables, but really you're just doing background checks on these guys. And, and scouting has become a different profession than what it used to be. In terms of reporting, you hear the term every day in life, don't kill the messenger, hear it all the time. Now you are, you know, essentially a messenger. You hear, you get sources, you work stories, you report them. You're the messenger, you're the bridge. You put out messages relaying what you've been told or what you hear. Fans, especially those who are reading stuff that they don't want to read. Again, we'll go back to the Bills, Josh Allen stuff. You know what I mean? A lot of fans, they don't want to read that. And they're hearing what they don't want to hear. And they turn around and then they bash you. Does it ever get to you, the frustration of those types of fans? You know, some are called trolls. Does that? How much does that frustrate you sometimes when you're just reporting facts that you hear or opinions that you hear and you get bashed for it on Twitter by trolls? Oh, it is frustrating. It's something that, uh, that I, I do, you know, kind of, it does build up over a while. Um, you know, it, it's something that's frustrating because, you know, like, well, I, you know, I put in all this work and I'm giving you all this information for free. And because you don't want to hear it, you're, you're mad at me and telling me I'm a hack, even though you have no clue what you're talking about or, you know, anything like that <clears throat> or no clue about me um, either. But, you know, they, they, they feel qualified to make statements like that simply because they don't like um, what it is that they're being told. So, yeah, it, it is frustrating. It is something that, you know, that wears on you after a while. And I wish I could say that I did a better job ignoring it. Um, I, I probably don't do a great job ignoring it, but, um, you know, it's something I probably need to look into. <laughs> I was just going to tell you, it's like a blessing and a curse with you. And I've had guys like Greg Gabriel's been on the show, Tim Graham, other guys like that. They're like you, really engaging to, to people on Twitter. And more times than not, that could be a great thing. You know what I mean? I like the fact that you'll talk to a guy and it doesn't matter if the guy's got 3,000 followers or 30. You know what I mean? But it's like guys like you, you know, who have a certain amount of, uh, I want to say like media celebrity. It's almost like you give these guys the satisfaction of, of letting them bash you and then going back and forth with them. And again, I talked to Greg about this. I was like, it's got to be hard to bite your tongue. And I can't imagine some of the stuff that you don't reply to as a reporter. 
Right. I, I, the stuff I reply to is about 1% of the, you know, the total overall nonsense that I get. Um, and, and Greg and I are, are, are friends, and I should tell you that we, we talk about that quite often. Um, you know, Greg Gabriel and I, uh, we talk about that pretty often. But um, I was talking to a prominent agent, um, you know, about that actually yesterday. Um, you know, and he was saying, I, you know, I wish I could get, get on Twitter and do like you and just say what I feel. I just can't do it because it could cost clients money, you know. And I'm like, well, it's probably costing me money. But, you know, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where it's that's my outlet right now. I built that entire account. I built my entire brand on interaction and answering everybody's questions equally and, um, you know, and trying to do that kind of stuff. And, you know, the problem is, is that now it's gotten so big, I'm not able to answer everybody's stuff. And I get tied up with these trolls instead of, um, the people that have legitimate questions. And that's, that's something that, that disappoints me quite a bit because uh, it wastes my time and I don't have time for everybody anymore. Sure. Listen, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. I became a big fan of yours about two, three years ago, back in 2016. You got into a very public spat with Jason LaCanfora on Twitter. I, I'll say it for you. I can't stand him. And I can promise that's a feeling that's shared by a minimum most Bills fans, basically, he copied and stole your shit on Twitter. <laughs> you want to elaborate on that a little? If, listen, if there's two yeah, guys, if there's two guys in the sports media, I can't stand. It's him and Skip Bayless. So please, by all means, what happened? Well, Bayless is Bayless is just playing a character. Um, you know, he's just playing a character that's that's a contrarian, and people kind of fall for the okie doke there. Lock and Fora is a different animal, um, and and I, I like it bothers me because there are things he is openly dishonest about. And it's something that uh, is kind of an open secret amongst uh, guys who do what we do. Uh, as a matter of fact, during that whole spat, uh, Adam Schefter DM'd me, you know, during that was kind of egging it on. He's like, good for you and that kind of stuff. Um, so it was one of those things where, um, you know, I took a screenshot of something and I, I posted it and uh, within one minute and 30 seconds later, uh, that exact same screenshot uh, appeared on Jason Lock and Flora's timeline as a quote text from a general manager, um, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, it was the exact same screenshot with the exact same battery life, the exact same date and time format and everything else, except Jason Lock and Flora tweet uh, does uh, his tweets from an iPhone and I do mine from an Android and the screenshot was from an Android. Um, so <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> kind of funny um, and very obvious that he had done it. Uh, and so I took the image that he had posted and I ran the metadata uh, on it. And it was sure enough, it was something that was screen grabs from his own phone and downloaded and not something that was, you know, it was my original photo. It even had the same name still. Um, so <laughs> it was a scenario where he, he stole the photo and lied about it being from a general manager. Um, but the problem is, is I guess I wasn't getting the results that I wanted quickly enough um, on the investigation on that. And uh, I took it to, uh, I leaked it to Deadspin and awful announcing and, and, you know, kind of went with that. And, you know, it cost me my contract at CBS at the time. So, well, I'll, I'll tell you, man, if I had a dollar for every time I see a tweet or a story from like Adam Schefter or Ian or you or Jay Glazer or several other people's, you know, breaking some sort of news. And then a couple minutes later, he has a tweet saying, as I said, weeks ago, you know, like he's not given credit for who's reported it that day. As I said, days ago, or as I, as I've been seeing all along, I look back on his Twitter. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> not half the time. Anyway, you didn't say shit, but he always does that. Oh God, I hate it. All right. Sorry for that, man. I just turned into a Pat Moran rant instead of a Ben Albright interview. <laughs> I apologize for that. Well, 
that's gets quite all right. He's he's known in the industry for kind of being that guy. And I don't want to sit here and, and just absolutely bash on the guy, but I will say he has developed a reputation. I'll leave it at that. Let's let's move on from football. For, let's end this. I like to do a little bit of human interest stuff here. Now, you you live in Denver, but you're not. From, where, where are you from originally? Everywhere else. <laughs> um, I uh, I was born in St. Louis. I grew up a, a large portion of my life uh, just outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, but I've lived other places as well: Dallas, Tampa, Kansas City, uh, Chicago. I've lived all over. Wow! And you went to the University of Arkansas for school, right? Yes. You're an Army guy too, correct? I, I read that. Yes, I was. Where did you serve? I mean, where 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 did you where did the Army take you? Uh, well, I did two, uh, two overseas tours, um, uh, both of them, uh, uh, Iraq, one, uh, at the tip of the spear, uh, with the initial invasion in 03. I was there from February of 2003 to May of 2004. Uh, and then I went up again back in 2009 for a brief, uh, about an eight month tour. Nice, nice, nice. I never knew that. Now you're getting married because I seen on Twitter, you had a, a bachelor party pick. Congratulations on that. Yeah, I am uh, getting married May 4th. That's uh, if I can manage to hang on to her that long. <laughs> well, you were looking smooth in that white suit, dude. That was smooth, man. <laughs> I liked it. I'm not, uh, being, I'm not being sarcastic. I thought it was a good look. I liked it. May 4th. No, I'm, I'm, I, uh, go ahead. I'm sure that no, you... No, I was going to say, I enjoy, I enjoy being a little uh, <laughs> a little uh, flamboyant with that oh, stuff. It's kind of fun. How could you not be? How could you not be? And I'm sure you very strategically made sure that your wedding was after the draft, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was her call. She she ended up doing that, and that was uh, that was good good for me, I guess. Yeah, good for you. Good. She she's a good one. She's definitely a keeper. Good for you. All right, listen. Every week when I have someone on the podcast, I like to end it with a little bit of a. Uh, I like to steal from Michael K. I like to do a little mini lightning round. Just ask a couple you know, personal random questions and just whatever pops in your mind, let me know like that kind of format. All right. Is that cool? Sounds like a plan. All right, man. Favorite non-sports related thing to do. Non-sports related interview. No favorite non-sports related thing that you like to do. That's has nothing to do with sports. Oh, um, you know, for relaxation, I do like to video game from time to time. Of course it usually is sports games, but um, that's, that's kind of a relaxation thing I like to do. So that would be, uh, that would be up there. Favorite athlete as a kid growing up. Uh, Steve Atwater and Christian Okoye. Christian Okoye. Nice. One quarterback scouting report that you wish you could go back in time and redo because you were way wrong on him. Oh man. Um, Brian Brom would definitely be up there. Mike McMahon. Uh, both those guys I had, you know, really high grades on, uh, I overrated Brett Smith, uh, Wyoming, Josh Allen's predecessor, uh, not a media predecessor, but from a couple of years ago, uh, I graded Paxton Lynch too high. Um, those are the only ones that really jump out at me. I like that though, man. You ran off multiple names. You're not afraid to put yourself on blast. I like that. Favorite city to visit. Favorite city to visit. Um, you know, I lived in Tampa for a while. I really enjoyed it down there. I'd like to get back there at some point and, uh, um, get some more of that, uh, Gulf coast seafood. Oh, I love it, man. I'm 40 minutes away from Tampa. You ain't lying. It's great. Most memorable sports moment. 
uh, Atwater versus Collier, the hit. Um, two of my favorite players met in a moment that crystallized my love of football. The most played song that's on your music player, whether it's your, an iPad or whatever it is that you play music on. Most played song. Uh, most played overall song or most played recently song? Let's go. You know what? Let's do both, man. Let's do both. Uh, shoot. Most played overall. Oof. Probably something by Hall and Oates. Oh my God. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it might be, um, struggling to, I don't have the numbers in front of me or I'd give you an answer, but it's probably something in that range. That's probably my most, um, most overall play. Most recently played that, uh, turn song by the Wombats. I really like that song. I don't know that. <laughs> I love all the notes though, man. You got me with that right there. Second, last question. <laughs> if you were only allowed to follow one person on Twitter, one person only, who would it be and why? I was only allowed to follow one person on Twitter. Who would it be and why? Um, let's see. I can't use myself because that's too arrogant. Um, <laughs> Skip Bayless only follows himself. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, shoot. Man, that's a good question. I've, I've never honestly thought about that. Uh, I, it would probably be, um, oh, man, Matt Bowen. I always enjoy the stuff he puts out. I enjoy reading it. Um Oh, who else? Arif Hassan. I always enjoy reading what he writes. Um, you know, guys like the guys, some guys I enjoy reading people like that. That's, they would be somebody like that. Okay. Last question. You can have three dinner guests dead or alive. Who you got? Oh, dead or alive, man. Whew. Um, yeah, that is a good one. Three dinner guests all time. Um, Isaac Newton, uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, one of the philosophers, probably Aristotle, um, although Plato would be, be a close in it, but I wouldn't want both of them because that would get annoying. <laughs> uh, and then uh, David Bowie. David Bowie. Okay. I like that, man. That's great. All right. So last thing here, it's Thursday, a week from now is the draft. You think as of right now that the Bills, when they leave the draft, the first night anyway, that Josh Allen's going to be their future potential franchise quarterback? I would put it this way. I would say at this point in time, I believe that the Bills are aggressively pursuing a trade so that they can land Josh Allen, and that's the way I'll leave it right now. Ben, thanks again. Nine podcasts in a day or interviews in a day. That's that's crazy. I'm just glad that I could be one of them. I know how busy you are, and I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, buddy. No, no problem. Anytime. All right, that was Benjamin Albright. Now, here's my interview with Damone Harris. One quick thing before I play it, just so you know, there were a couple points in the interview where the audio was less than stellar. Damone was on a cell phone, and I think he may have been outside for a part of the interview. And as a result, the audio is a little bit choppy at times. But at the end of the day, not a big deal. It was a great interview, and there's no way I was going to not use it because of a couple uh, audio difficulties here and there. So just keep that in mind. And on that note, here it is. Damone Harris, UB defensive end, future NFL player, Damone Harris. My guest today is a young man I've had the pleasure of knowing for a good eight years now. You want to talk about a good perseverance story? This guy wasn't even a star on his own high school football team. And for that matter, he wasn't even a full-time starter until his senior year. 
He didn't get offered scholarships, and he went on to walk on to the University at Buffalo. Over the last few years, however, he's transformed himself from an afterthought in the program into one of UB's biggest stars and best players. And now the time is about upon us. He finds himself with a legitimate chance to get his name called during a draft. I'm talking about my man, UB defensive end, Damone Harris. Damone, what's up, buddy? How you feeling? I'm feeling great, man. I'm, I'm glad that uh, I get the chance to do this interview with you. Oh, I love it, dude. I'm so, you know me. I'm, <laughs> I'm really happy for you. I know what a journey it's been for you. I've seen it. You know, so I, I know how far you've come in over a long period of time. It didn't happen right. overnight, and it's definitely been a process. So I feel you on that. Right. Yeah, just, um, you know, like you said, a process, you know, just taking it day by day, you know, and really, like, honed in on that um, day-by-day approach. And um, that's what I think has got me to this point. Never never really looked at the big picture about the NFL. But um, honestly, I mean, now that it's upon me, I mean, you know, it's what I've honestly worked for these past seven years of me playing football. But, um, yeah, I definitely took it step-by-step, never try to get overzealous or, you know, too crazy. Uh, <laughs> because I feel like if you think like that, then um, you'll get lost. So I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And you mentioned the NFL. It's almost that time. Pretty soon, whether it's a draft or just minutes that follow it, one way or the other, you're going to have a new NFL home. Is is everything right. starting to settle in a little bit for you, or is this all a little bit still kind of surreal? I mean, it, it's, it's, it'll be surreal, I think, until um, I actually get with the ball club I'm going to be with. Um, don't know who that'll be, but, you know, um, it's it's surreal. I'm just honestly just thankful and, and blessed to be able to potentially have this opportunity, you know. Not a lot of people get this opportunity. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So, you know, just taking the right steps, being a, having a positive approach to it, and, you know, going in with the right mindset, I think um, I think I'll be just fine. Sure. Now, you've had private workouts for, I believe, Seattle and San Francisco, right, during this process? You've worked out for them right. privately, correct? How did that right. go? How did that go? Um, I mean, it was it was a, it was a grind. They they grinded me. Um, they actually came up here and worked me out at UB. And, you know, um, about twenty degree weather worked me out outside. <laughs> I'm probably like a windy, cold day, but you know, we got some good work in. You know, I just really enjoyed it. Um, enjoyed being in front of NFL scouts and you know showing what I can do and um, showing that all the skills that I've been working on these past couple of years. You know, it, it was just a, a pleasure and honor to, to, for a team to have that much interest in me to uh, hold a private workout with them. Sure, and we get a certain amount of them. So, yeah, that does right. say a lot. Now, let me ask you this. Give us, a, if you can, a little bit, just a little taste of behind the scenes of how an NFL workout, a private workout goes. Now, I'm not sitting there and asking you to tell <laughs> us private details. I don't want to know that. It's not It's not for you to say, you know, the details of a, of a personal interview or stuff like that. But what's that process right. like? You know, you get up, take us through that a little bit. Like I said, without giving away personal private details, and I'm sure a team right. doesn't want um, you to. Just the general, right. the general sense of how things you go. Know, I mean, you know, you go in there and, you know, they just work you. I mean, my workout was probably about an hour, hour to an hour and a half, but it was just me and uh, two NFL teams, and they just worked me for about an hour and a half, just nonstop, um, tested my conditioning, um, tested how well I can bend and different things like that. You know, that's that's a big, big key for NFL teams. They want to see if you can bend around, like, especially for my position, bend around the edge and different things like that. So 
you know, they just all I can say is they worked me for about a good hour and a half. You know, <laughs> when you know, but did it was it, fun. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Sorry, Demo. Oh, no, you're fine. When did it first start to click in for you that you know what? I may have an opportunity to play football at the highest level in the world, which is the NFL. There, right. there had to be a point, you know what I mean? You dream about it as a kid. So many, so many athletes dream about it as a kid, but there comes a point where it realistically sets in your head that, you know what, I'm going to have an opportunity here. Right. Um, well, I think, I think as a kid, you know, um, kids obviously look at the big picture. They look at the, um, you know, the big names and have a, like, you know, like a, the big stars in the NFL. And like I said, I try not to get lost in that. And, um, try to focus more on the process of doing things. And I mean, that's what honestly got me to this point. I mean, I think I probably started to realize I had a legitimate chance. I mean, honestly, my senior year in high school, I I just had to follow the, the steps in the process um, to get to that point. But I honestly thought that I had a opportunity, you know, and I've always had the work ethic and drive. So, I mean, that just kind of took care of itself. So, yeah. I never doubted myself in the beginning. Right. Now, you speak of the process because, again, it really, truly is a process, a long, right. long, hard road to get there. Right. Now, I've again, I've known, for everyone listening, I've known Damone since early on in high school. He's very close right. friends with my nephew, who's also a star football player in his own right, mm-hmm. and he's playing arena league football right now. He's got his own path going on. You got yours. But anyway, here's mm-hmm. my point. You didn't even play football until your junior year, correct? Exactly. I never never put on pads before then. So Right. So you got him a late yeah. bloomer to this. Exactly. I mean, if you think about that, it's kind of um kind of unheard of, you know, but like I said before, like I really focused in on um what I needed to do on a day by day basis and you know, I think that's what's got me to this point. Sure. And and obviously a lot of resilience. You didn't even start until the last two games of your junior year. And then in your senior season, you ended up missing half the season because of an ankle injury. That's when you got right. your first real test of, you know, being exactly. resilient there. You get to high school, exactly. your senior year, and you get hurt, you know? Um, yeah, my senior year, was <laughs> that was a big uh, mental challenge for me, um, getting to that point and then getting hurt and, you know, just having to stay mentally tough and not even knowing that I was going to be at UB really until late in the spring of my senior year where I got the walk-on opportunity, but I mean, I just jumped on the opportunity and, and took full advantage of it. So, you know, I just kept my faith strong and, um, you know, it kind of took me <laughs> to where I am today. I need to mention the high school that you went to as Bishop Timon in, in South Buffalo. And not only did you play football, you also did play basketball, which of the right. two sports, obviously football, you've amounted to far more in football, but right. which sport did you enjoy playing more when you were in high school? Right. Well, I mean, basketball was always my first love. You know, I think I will always have a love for the game of basketball. And but, um, you know, my head coach in high school, Charlie Comerford, got me to come out and, and just play football. And he was like, look, I can turn you into a division one football player. And I'm like, I'm looking at him like he's crazy because I've never played football before. But, you know, I just trusted and um, trusted in that process. And, you know, if I was going to have a better chance to play professional football than um, than basketball, I was going to jump at that opportunity. And I think I took full advantage of the opportunity. So, you know, you don't get a scholarship. You walk on, you get a walk on at UB, you red shirt, then you play as a red shirt freshman. You appear right. in seven games, but you, you didn't, you didn't record a tackle at that time. Right. Was it hard for you at that time to trust yourself and trust the process of everything? 
Right. Yeah. It was. It was. It was hard. I had some hard days. Beginning days of UB. Um, just uh, you know, really just trying to, you know, stay focused and 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 you know, just keep my head on right. But there were some tough days early on, you know. But that was that was a part of the the growing pains. I knew there was going to be days like that. And I mean, obviously, me being so late, I was so raw at the sport that uh, really me having um those early days really helped me into the player that I've become has helped my mental toughness and things like that. So, I mean, I'm thankful for those hard days. You know, I should have asked you this first. Did you consider going to any other school besides UB, like maybe a, 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 a non D one school or anything like that? Or was right. it UB for you all the way? Um, I, I think honestly it's been UB since the beginning. So, um, I'm glad that UB gave me the opportunity because it was either UB or nothing. So, um, right. I mean, it was a, like I said, it was, it was a crazy experience and, um, a great opportunity that came at a great time in my life. Well, through a lot of hard work and eventually opportunity, you made a name for yourself. You, you etched out a reputation for yourself there by your senior year. You led the team with tackles for losses. You had five sacks right. uh, in total. Right. You had 55 tackles, a couple forced fumbles. Right. You make second team all Mac as a senior. Right. Who in the program who really helped pave the path for you to continue to get better? Because we all need help somewhere along the way. You didn't do it by yourself, obviously. Uh, yeah, obviously not. I mean, there's many people that helped me along the way. I mean, um, you know, throughout college, you go through a lot of changes. And I went through a lot of changes in my career, uh, two coaching staffs. Um, you know, I probably had, I think, four different position coaches. So, you know, there's been a lot of people that's helped me along the way. But, I mean, I'd say one key person that, has helped me, especially this last season, would be um, uh, my position coach. His name is Coach Rock Bellantoni. He helped me a lot um, just with my game this this past year. So, I mean, I couldn't thank him enough because I felt like he he did a lot for my game. Were a few players that maybe they're in the program, maybe they came before you in the program, or maybe they have nothing to do with UB at all. But were a couple players that have really influenced you as a football player. Um, I would say players early on. I always heard about um, like Steve Means. And um, uh, obviously, me being I was a freshman when Khalil Mack was a senior, um, looking up to those guys, those kind of guys, not just them, them as as players, but them as as uh, athletes. You know, they they really uh, showed me and paved the way for me. Um, so I mean, I couldn't be more more happy to have learned from those guys. Sure, I, that had to be a great experience, even if it was just for a year, and even if you were just right. again that walk on freshman, just to be around. You know that that facility and stuff when Khalil Mack is there. I mean, he really did a lot to, I mean, there's guys that came before him, but he really right. helped put UB on a map on a national level. Right. Let me ask you this. Do you have any draft plans? Like, do you know what you're doing yet? You staying home, having people over. Do you, do you, do you know what you're going to be up to yet? I mean, it, it'll be surreal. I mean, that day, um, I think it'll happen in the morning. If it does. I mean, that Saturday, I'm, I'm looking probably at the 28th. If I do, I'll probably go late in the later rounds. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll probably just be with my family in the living room. And, you know, we might just just record the moment and, you know, really share the moment. And because um, they've been there, they've been there with me for the whole process. You know, it's a special moment for all of us and my whole family. So, you know, I, I would want them to be there with me. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Even at, say I was a first rounder, I got invited to the tribe. I, I think I still stay at home. So that's great. You're going to you're going to post a video of it. Right, yeah, oh, no doubt, no doubt. I might go live on Instagram or something, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be a special moment, to say the least. 
obviously here, yeah. you'll be thrilled to have an opportunity to make a roster for any team in the NFL. It doesn't exactly. matter. But how, how would it be a little extra special for you if it if that opportunity happened to come with the Buffalo Bills, or does it literally not matter to you at all? I mean, um, it'd be I, I'd be extremely excited to play for Buffalo. You know, um, I'm a Buffalo guy. I've always been in Buffalo. I've never left the city honestly for more than a week. I've never been outside of Buffalo for more than a week. So, you know, I'm just glad to have that oppor- have that opportunity to play. Um, play for Buffalo all my life and then to possibly get the opportunity to play for the Bills is huge. Um, I had a local workout with them um, not too long ago and um, they said they really liked me. So um, who knows? They maybe can pick me up. I'm just, you know, I'm just <laughs> waiting on that phone call. Not, not There's 32 teams where I'm sure you'll be happy to hear that phone call come from. Now, not right. counting the Bills, you got a couple teams growing up, maybe whether you're a little kid or high school, or even college. Is there a couple teams that in your mind you're like, man, it'd be really sweet to play there? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say anyone exactly. I mean, as far as I maybe got like that, maybe location wise, like say if I play for like Tampa Bay or somewhere warm, just 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 experience in a different city and a different market. That'd be the only reason. I mean, to leave. I think my favorite my favorite team growing up were the Colts. My favorite player was Peyton Manning. But I mean. I mean, I guess it'd be kind of cool to play for the Colts, but, you know, <laughs> not any one team in particular. You don't want to play for the Bucks, Right. <laughs> Dude, the fan support down here, dude, it's nothing like Buffalo. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> you know me, dude. I've lived in Buffalo my whole life, moved down here recently. Right. This is Florida. I know Tampa fans are going to hate me for this. Whatever. I don't <laughs> care. This is a college state. This is Florida, Florida State, the U. They don't care about the Dolphins and they don't care about the Bucks. Stay in Buffalo, stay up north. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it's not my decision. The trigger, I don't have to go. I'm I joking. I you know, it's not in my hands. It's All right. Ho- hopefully, the GM from Tampa doesn't uh, hear this interview before the draft. <laughs> All jokes aside, though, man. Listen. All jokes aside, I couldn't be more happier for you. Again, to me, you know. You hear all the time these success stories of these blue chip guys, these guys who from the time they walk into the halls in high school, they're being recruited all over the place. USC, Florida State, all these big time schools, you know, they go to college, they have the fairy tale career, they're they're blue chip first rounders. They know Uh from day one they're going to be there. I know you personally, and I know how hard you've worked for how long to get to this point. So I really hope that you do take this opportunity, and I'm sure you have, to really just soak it all in and, and just really enjoy what's basically been your life's work now. Like I said, exactly. nothing was handed to you. It didn't come yep. easy for you. And not at all. No, not at all. And you know what? As, some, as, as a father who has a kid who plays high school football, and I'm sure a lot of guys out there you know, who have children or whether they're playing Little League football or high school football or whatever, this is the path. You're the one who makes – your path is the way it goes more times than not. Not these right. kids don't always have it easy. They don't always have it made. They're not blue chippers. They're not surefire exactly. first rounders that Mel Kuyper's talking right. about. It's guys exactly. like you that are the backbone, you know, of what perseverance really is. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, even with the blue chip guys, I mean, it doesn't matter if the guys are three star, four star, five star recruit. As soon as you step on campus, you're eating the same food I'm eating. You're, you know, you're, you're at the same practice I'm at. You know what I mean? It's just about outworking those guys, you know? So I don't, I don't, I mean, and that's how I stay level-headed and, and, and don't get like, see, oh, this guy's better than me. Cause I feel like once I step on the playing field, you know, what makes that guy better than me? You know what I mean? I, I put in the work 
you know, I do this and that. So, you know, it's once we step on, once we step on the field, it's just me versus you. So that's right. You got, that's a great attitude. Cause you know what? It matters when you get drafted until you get drafted. Once you exactly. get drafted, it, when you step on the field, it doesn't matter. The, the better man's going to win every battle. So that's a great attitude to have. Right. You hear success stories of late round guys, undrafted free agent guys having huge success in the league all the time. So, you know, I got a feeling you're going to be one of them, man. Continue that <laughs> Let's path. hope so. Let's hope so. I'm trying to make it that way. All right. Well, best of luck to you. I'll tell you what, after the draft process and everything's over and you hook up with a team, we'll get back together down the road and talk. But again, I really wish no the best for you, buddy. Have a great draft and we'll talk soon after. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, that'll wrap up this episode. Big thanks to Benjamin Albright for coming on and doing this pie with me. That guy is busy as hell, especially this time of year. So it means a lot to me for him to take time out of his busy schedule and do this interview with me. Really appreciate it. Also, big thanks to Damone Harris for coming on. Really hope things work out for the kid next week with the NFL draft. Whether it's a draft or undrafted free agency right after that, that kid's got a feature in the NFL and I cannot wait to watch it. Big episode today, and even bigger episodes coming next week. Next Monday, I have Richard Deitch from The Athletic coming on, and next Thursday, I have from WGR 550 in Buffalo, longtime radio host Howard Simon. Can't wait for those shows. That and NFL Draft Week is going to be insane. Cannot wait. Guys, if you haven't already, make sure you go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show. That's all I ask in life. Just subscribe. It takes two seconds, and then I don't got to bother you anymore. I won't send you tweets. I won't send you Facebook messages. I won't send you emails. Just simply subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Do that, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Pat Tweets. Thanks a lot for listening. It truly means a lot to me. Have a nice, safe rest of the week and weekend, and I will talk to you guys on Monday. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.